So we're transitioning now, um, talking about what the gospel has to say about friendship, about uh, brotherhood, about spiritual relationship, and, um, and and it's really exciting and cool to get to do this with my brother Charlie. My name is Justin Coffey. This is Charlie Hall. We're both elders here at Frontline together, and um, it's a lot of fun to get to do this with him um, because we've got over 40 years of friendship together, which is really rare and unique for both of us. Um, and, and I think in general, and, um, you know, the great thing about being friends with someone for over 40 years is you have 40 years worth of secrets, um, about that person. And I thought I'd just take a little bit of time and just share some of those with you guys about Charlie to start us off. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, over those 40 years, um, there's been a lot of different forms. Our friendship has taken, uh, we've, we've been, close to where we're together every single day. We've had seasons of life where we had years where we only uh, saw each other a couple times a year, talked on the phone intermittently. And now here at this stage of our life, we're back together um, a lot of the time, at least every week, getting to spend time together. And it's a lot of fun. Um, but when I think back over the life of our friendship and, and some of the key moments, especially in, in times of crisis for both of us, um, there were some, there's some things that are highlighted and stick out about those times that I think are important and they're really going to be relevant, um, to the conversation that, that eventually as I hand it off, Charlie's going to talk about. Um, but there was specifically for me, two different times in my life, uh, where life had just completely fallen off the rails, um, uh, because of my choices. Uh, so just to be transparent and vulnerable with you guys, um, when I was younger, I had a long stretch of lots of rebellion, uh, that led to a, a, a pretty, long stretch, um, using drugs, being strung out, ending up, uh, on the street even. And I had three different kinds of friends during that, that point in my life. I had friends that, that would say, oh man, whatever you want to do is all that matters. Just, you just be free. You just be happy, um, and do what you want. And then I had another group of friends that were more like, um, hey, you're really messed up and messy and I don't want to get that on me. And so I, I can't really be friends with you right now because of the choices you're making and, and you're being destructive. So once you get better, why don't you, uh, we're, we're cool to be friends again, but I don't really want to be friends with you right now while you're going through this. Um, and then the third category, uh, which ended up being about three people, uh, and Charlie was one of those three, sounded more like this. Like, I, I hate what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is sin. And, and here are the things and all the evidence and artifacts in your life to, to support that, that this is a, a poor choice that you're making. But I love you, and I want to be with you, and I want to walk through this with you. Um, so, so come close. And, and that's really, really rare and unique. And, and that is a picture of what we're wanting to talk about today as it relates to um, a relationship, a spiritual brotherhood, a covenant relationship that's centered around Jesus, centered around um, the gospel. And, and because those things happen, and, they, and the, there was multiple times in his life where I got a chance to do that for him and vice versa. Um, but because that's so rare, um, it, there, it creates a problem in a vacuum for a lot of us. Um, because of past hurts in relationships, either with parents, uh, with siblings, with friends, um, you can go online or, or grab medical journals and read literally thousands of studies that have been done uh, over men and relationships. And what you'll find is the common thread that runs throughout all of them is that there's this profound loneliness, there's this profound isolation, um, and there's this, 
this, even this new reality, this, this phrase called defensive detachment, where you, because you're afraid of getting hurt from people, because you've been hurt so many times over and over again, that you just fully disengage and detach from people. And you, you kind of isolate and insulate yourself to protect yourself from getting hurt. Um, and, and so a lot of us in this room, I'd be willing to bet upwards of 80, 90% of the men in this room, uh, based on the studies that I've been reading online, feel a profound sense of loneliness and isolation and a lack of true brotherhood, a lack of true friendships. Um, and so that's the problem um, that we're all faced with. Um, and, and so what we're, what we're wanting to talk about today is what does it look like when, when we actually do engage in one of those relationships? And what are the, what are the problems uh, for us when we don't? And what are the benefits when we do? And we see a real clear picture in scripture of what one of these relationships looks like. Um, Josh uh, talked a lot about this last night when he was in the lover quadrant and he was talking about David and Jonathan and their relationship. Um, when you read the story through first and second Samuel and look over what their life looked like, you, you see some key markers and, and some, some really helpful things about their relationship that I think we can look at for ourselves even now here today um, and apply to our lives so that we can start to engage in and deepen the relationships that we have with the brothers that are around us. Um, one of the things we see right after David has killed Goliath and he's having a conversation with Saul, um, he and Jonathan immediately form this relationship. Uh, in 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And so right out of the gate, these two guys had a, a profound, deep relationship of trust uh, where they went deep together. The very next thing you see happen in their relationship is they immediately make a covenant with one another. Um, and then over time, as they go through various trials and difficulties and their relationships becomes tested, you see them even go back and renew that covenant with one another. And so there was this commitment to stay engaged, stay together, and not just in a way where they're kind of like soldiers on the front line, shoulder to shoulder, walking together, but actually face-to-face, being vulnerable, being intimate, and engaging with one another. At the end of this relationship, um, something tragic happens. Jonathan actually gets killed, um, and it wrecks David. You you see it in some of the Psalms, and then you see it um, specifically in 2 Samuel. Uh, David says this after he's found out that Jonathan's been killed in battle. He says, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you. My brother, Jonathan, very pleasant. Have you been to me? Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. And so this is a profound thing for a man, a king, a warrior to say about another brother. Um, and this is in no way sexual in nature, the way, the way he's describing his relationship and his love for him being better or different than his love for a woman. And, and scripture testifies to that. And I can tell you um, from having deep relationship over a long stretch of my life with the same person, it's true. There is, there's something unique about the love that brothers have for one another that, that connects and fills things inside of us that, that the love with uh, my wife, Courtney, who I've been married to for almost 20 years now, um, her and I don't have. And so it, it's, it's unique, it's important. And Charlie's gonna unpack a little bit about what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. Um, 
and, and it's interesting, the very, very end um, uh, of how all this ends is you immediately see a trajectory and a path of David's life after this, after he loses this relationship, after that lover quadrant becomes vacant in his life. He never replaces it. He never refills it. And that's when you start to see a trajectory of decline for David, where now it's okay to uh, decide that he's going to sleep with a woman that's not his wife. And as a matter of fact, he just takes her and, and makes her his own. And now it's okay for me to decide to send her husband out to battle. And, and you see a, a path and a trajectory after that, where he, he's lost a piece of the accountability. He's lost a piece of the brotherhood and he's lost a piece actually of his soul um, that, that he fails to replace. Um, and, and the effects are devastating. So Charlie's going to walk us through a little bit of what that looks like and why. Since you were going to share some of my secrets, yeah, I'm going to share some of your favorite sins. <laughs> I've got the whole list. Um, man, uh, when I was probably five or six years old, uh, I started my t-ball career. And uh, uh, I was out on, I don't still play t-ball, that'd be totally weird. Uh, I was on second base and... Uh, you know, sun is high. Um, you know, it's the it's the middle of summer. Uh, kid hits the ball, pops it up, and uh, both to block the sun and protect my my soft face, I hold up the glove, not to catch it, but to block the sun and protect my face. And it hits my glove, so I I get this guy out. It's amazing. That kind of pushed me back a little bit, and I accidentally stepped on second base. So the kid running from first to second. Got out. It was a double play. It was an accident. <laughs> but this is a true story. Uh, but then I hear something behind me. You know, this is all happening in seconds. I hear something behind me, and I turn with with uh, with the ball of my glove. I turn like this, and the guy running from second to third runs into my my mitt. So I get three guys out. It's amazing. Both sides of the stadium stand up. That's right. It was a stadium. Uh, both sides of the stadium stand up, and they're all cheering because it's amazing. I still have no idea what happened. And uh, I, I, think of, I think of my life a lot like that. I mean, there's a lot of grace in my life. There's a lot of pain in my life, too. But there's a lot of grace in my life. And some of the graces are just the, the fact that you, you just kind of make friends through the, through the years. And uh, you, you make friends, and you lose friends, and then those friends come back. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of grace there that God even gives you friends by accident. And sometimes it's because we like the same things or our kids are the same age or our wives happen to like each other. There's, a lot, there's lots of reasons for all the accidents, lots of grace in those accidents. But what I want to do is to kind of take all the beauty in, in, in the accident, all the grace in the accidental friendship and take it into some, some on-purpose stuff. Um, so let me read this uh, passage, John 15, 13. Let me, I'm going to summarize this. There is no greater love than when a man lays his life down for his friends. I want you to hold on to that because we've heard it so much. And Jesus was the perfect example. I mean, beyond example, he gave his life and laid it down for his friends. He's the, he's the one that said this. But there's this curse, and Justin mentioned it, where we almost are born to hide and run and cover and isolate and pretend and use people. And we try to grow out of that, and we try to shake out of it, and somehow it, some of it just keeps coming back. 
But on purpose, we want to, in gospel friendship, in spiritual friendship, we want to start to kind of take that stuff off because of what Jesus has done. So we're not meant to sit in a boat all by ourselves in an ocean with massive waves tossing us back and forth, fearful for our life that we're going to fall into the water and die. We're not meant to do that alone. We're meant to be in that boat with a brother, tied together so that no man goes over. So let me give you three quick pictures. Uh, one is shoulder to shoulder. One is back to back. And one is face to face. Shoulder to shoulder is a kind of friendship that Jesus creates in brotherhood. It's because he laid down his life. He gave his life so that we would have blood brothers. Literally, we've been bought into a family and then we're brothers. And so there's something about that shoulder to shoulder where he loves, he loves sports. I don't have to love sports to be his friend. He loves X. and I mean, not X. You know, I don't know. I just made it like a symbol. Uh, he loves whatever. I don't have to love whatever to be his friend. This is, this is I don't know why I did that. <laughs> there is a, a blood-bought brotherhood because of what Jesus did that puts us shoulder to shoulder. Our eldership runs a lot like that. I mean, there's uh, 20, 20 guys in our eldership, and the way that we try to live that thing, imperfectly, but the way that we try to live that is we are brothers, bought with the blood. We're in a family, shoulder to shoulder. I'll do anything for you. The second picture is back to back, and that's just the idea that you're ready to fight. You're ready to fight. You're ready to stand up for each other. You're going to get back to back and, and look around and be ready to put your fists up and fight for this fight for this friend practically what does that mean oh your marriage is in trouble i'm there i'll take your kids for the weekend oh your one of your kids is in trouble okay i'll uh, i'm going to be praying and i'm going to come over at 10 o'clock and i'm going to listen to you talk about it those are some practical things you're back to back you're going to fight cuz life is hard life is painful and in the days that i don't even know how to ask someone to fight for me back to back He's going to know, and my brothers are going to know, man, it's time to fight for Charlie. He can't even see it, but it's time to fight for him. It's time to go to him. Back to back is when you show up. It's your presence. You, you show up, and you're there, and uh, you show up for the, for the wedding, for the birthday, for the funeral. You show up. You're the one that creates the, the meal train you know, and provides meals and gets people to bring meals when someone's sick and hurting. It's back to back. It's fighting for someone. So you're shoulder to shoulder because your blood brothers, because of what Jesus did. You're back to back, ready to fight for your brother. And this is the hard one for us, face to face. Face to face is this vulnerability. It's this ability to, to wound him. Face to face is a vulnerability where I'm ready to like say something that's gonna make him mad and put our friendship at risk. That's hard. Not only that, I'm willing and I'm showing up in the friendship ready to get wounded. Because I'm giving him permission to say whatever he needs to say. Not only that, <laughs> not only that, but I am signing up to forgive over and over when he screws it up. He's going to forgive over and over when I screwed up. That kind of vulnerability is hard. Confessing sin. Here's something dark about me, man. And I'm risking that he's going to love me or not love me. But here's something dark about me. And it also helps him fight for me. Now that he knows what's dark about me, he knows how to fight for me. So confession, to be known, vulnerability. 
But the beautiful thing too here is he and I, our brothers here, my friends, and we get to call out identity. When I've lost who I am, or I can't remember who I am, they can stand and say, Charlie, I know who you are. And what you just said that you did, that's not who you are. You're a son. Quick story. Um, we were walking. We, there's a handful of us that uh, have prayed for several years now. Uh, we show up on Tuesday mornings early, and we get together, we pray. And uh, I think for, for years, I've been carrying a, a boulder on my chest and trying to smile through it and trying to, like, be okay. And uh, we were walking in the door, and I actually think it was Justin said, hey, how are you? And uh, normally, simple question. It's easy to go, fine, man, doing good. Excited to be here, excited to pray. It's easy to quote. This is one of those mornings I couldn't, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say I'm okay. And I turned to him and I said, I need CPR. And it was the only phrase I could come up with to describe the, how trashed I felt, how beat up I felt, how the years had just grown heavier and heavier and heavier. And I was tired of smiling. Try to tired of smiling my way through it. It's beautiful. What happened is we went into uh, we went into Josh's office, and Josh was there. Justin was there. A friend of ours from England. It's a blood blood bought brother. You know, we don't know each other extremely well, but what gave him permission to stand in that room was because we were shoulder to shoulder because of what Jesus did. And I think for the next hour, I confessed things. I told my story. I let them speak into me. I let them ask questions. I let them correct me. And then they prayed for me and they quoted hymns over me and they sang scriptures over me. And I rose up after two hours, a different person. My identity had been called out. This is what's crazy is the story about the paralytic. Uh, His buddies saw that he couldn't move and they knew that Jesus was in a house down the street. And so they, they're great friends and they got him over to the house and they saw that they couldn't get in. So like anyone would, they crawl to the top and cut a hole in the top, let him in. Anyone would do that. Um, but let me flip it on its head for a second. We don't, I mean, reading in, in Mark, where it comes from, it just says the friends picked him up and got him there. But what if the guy said, hey, I can't move. It's gotten too, it's gone too far and I can't get to where Jesus is. I don't even know how to get to where Jesus is and I need to get to where Jesus is. Will you guys take me there? So on one hand, my friends got around me, my brothers got around me and they saw I'm on the mat, you know, and they're like, we're going to take you to Jesus. But there's another part where I've got to, I've got to own that I need to get to Jesus. You don't want to just wait for someone to see that something is wrong. That's what guys do. We wait, 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 wait. And then we go, no one even knows that something's wrong. So what if, what if you turned around to your brothers and you said, I'm out of breath. I feel like I'm on my last leg. My arms won't move. My legs won't move. I'm paralyzed. And I need you guys to get me to Jesus. And by the way, if there's too many people to get me in there, I need you to climb up on the roof and cut a freaking hole in it because I need this so badly. All right, man, there's no greater love than when a man lays his life down for his friends. We need each other. We need to be shoulder to shoulder. 
back to back, face to face. The curse has been lifted. The curse causes us to hide, isolate, pretend, and use each other. But the curse has been lifted. And the blessing that Jesus gives us is presence, identity, and accountability. I want you to turn to your groups here in a second. Here's the question I want you to ask. And by the way, if you're not in a group, just pop in a group. If you're uncomfortable doing that, just occasionally nod. If they ask you a question, just be like, uh-uh, no. Uh, but let's, involve, let's try to involve everybody. But here's the question. How slash why are you avoiding spiritual friendship? Try to name those things. Don't just in a blur say, yeah, I, I avoid it. Try to name some things. And then what are the ways that you could engage this friendship? Who are some people that you need to go back to and, and apologize to and invite forgiveness? Who are the people that you need to go, you know what, you are my brother, and I treated you like you are not. Who are the people that you need to go, you know what, you're in a bad place, I need to fight for you. Who are the people that you need to go face-to-face and own some things with? So ask those questions, turn to your groups, they'll be up on the screen.